one. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Bench Units Weekend Roundup. I am Mark. We're recording this at 4.45, which is 45 minutes later than was originally expected. And when he wasn't turning up for the 45 minutes at the initial time, I assumed he was the newest member of Madiba Extremadura. James, how's it going there? Wow, that was a very topical joke. Uh, sorry I'm late, Spain. <laughs> um, yeah, not bad. Yeah, How are you, you can't use the hour time difference as a reason for being late. Yeah, if anything, I'm an hour and 45 minutes late to your <laughs> 4 p.m. time slot. Uh, yeah, I've already apologized off air. Um, we do enough apologizing to the people listening to this for it being late. So I don't think I need to apologize to you. We also apologize for the relative lack of quality of content and audio fidelity regularly. So although I feel like we've stepped the audio up by moving a microphone closer to myself. By doing absolutely nothing other than what we've been doing for the last two years. No, by moving the microphone closer to myself. Is this a subtle hint to me to move my microphone closer? I don't know. Uh, write in and tell us if you think Mark should move the microphone closer. Okay, um, I did. I did that for the Tom O'Neill Thorn episode, and the first half an hour of that was complete trash. So my microphone sits at the back of my desk, so I don't yell into it. Yeah, like Ron, Ron Burgundy with the um, teleprompter thing, where it's all in capitals, and he thinks he's supposed to yell it. I love that. Um, random question before we get started if you could own one piece of memorabilia from any movie ever what would it be i thought of asking you this question and this was like tuesday because i was listening to a podcast and someone asked someone else it and then i realized since we've like lost to vital lead over the weekend spoiler alert i think it probably just sounds like i'm trying to stall (laughs) (laughs) um any movie ever I don't know. I'd have to have a real think about that. Can I have a? Can I answer that to close the episode? Yes. Cool. Um, I'm just trying to think of what ep- like what movie had the largest briefcase full of money in it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, hey, could I have Mark Zuckerberg's credit card details from the social network? Yeah, but you, with the briefcase thing, you can't open it because then it loses all its value as a piece of memorabilia. As a piece of memorabilia, yes, but as a container for millions of dollars, probably not. But anyway, should we talk about basketball? We shall. Talking about things there's no money in, should we talk about wheelchair basketball? (laughs) Oh my God, this is the Mediva game. I didn't even know. (laughs) Right, I'll let you take this one away because you've rammed yourself up to it. That's hilarious. Uh, So Mark uh, collects the links of all the stats for all the games because I literally just show up and talk. But... He, you add it now as well. I add it now as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so I used to edit and then we kind of stopped needing to edit. But yeah, so Mark sent me the links and I made that joke about no money and then opened the first link. And it's actually the Madiba Albacete game. So this game, it was uh, Madiba 0, Albacete 20, because it didn't happen because Madiba don't have enough players to field, which is uh, a shame for... Albacete, who had to drive all that way just to, because you have to show up, obviously, for the other team not showing up to be an issue that you can sort of forfeit a game for. Um, It's kind of, it's a bit of a disgrace that those guys had to do all that. It's grim for the players that are in Madiba that they've signed up to play for a team that can't scrape together five players, and I don't know the exact reasons on why certain people weren't there this week, but I hope it's 
not to do with the sort of financial stuff that's going on before, but you would kind of assume it would be, right? Yeah, I have heard from someone inside Albacete when they demanded an answer that basically one of Madiba's players chose this game to be like, well, you haven't paid me since I've been here, so I'll not be seeing you at this game. And otherwise they would have been able to like at least roll out five B over points and then play on if they'd wanted to. I don't know if they would have done that or if they'd have just taken the 20-point loss, but um yes apparently one of their players who i don't know who it is chose this game to show the team up and as a result they didn't have five actual basketball players um but yeah the weirdest detail of this is albacete had to start and warm up for like 20 minutes to prove they actually were ready to play yeah that's a real (laughs) that's a real shame man like that's 15 hour round trip isn't it like that stuff shouldn't be happening and I don't know, when I think about this stuff, I think about protecting players, both from teams that aren't paying the bills when they say they're going to, and protecting other teams from having to drive 15 hours, and you know, people with all different disabilities and stuff that God knows what 15 hours in a bus can do to them. Like, I've, I know I've come back from away games. I've games we've played, obviously, but I've come back from away games that far away. And just been wiped out for a couple of days. So that's really, and you're taking people away from kids and wives and husbands and boyfriends and girlfriends and friends. And you know what I mean? Like you're, yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot, man. Yeah. For the home team to not show up. Um, yeah. The, the latest I've heard is that Madiba have tried to patch this together to save the rest of their season and they've signed Jose Leap over the weekend, apparently. So, oh, okay. They should be able to roll five guys out, but well, they're playing us next week, and it's at home for us, and I'm very glad it is because I don't want to have to go all that way to like figure out whether players are going to be there or not. Yeah, I did. I did say to Ben Fox, this is looking bad because it's like on the the checklist of teams trying to save themselves from submarining. It's like delete all your social media because your former players are using it to hassle you sign somebody who is ultimately not that good but makes it look like you're making an effort and like step three is like fire a coach or hire a coach and be like well players are leaving because they didn't like the coach rather than that we don't have any money so Madiba like on, on the way there but um I hope not I hope no one else loses a job like as I say this whole thing is just like uh, I don't know if you promise to pay people I don't know. Also, like signing other people when you have when you still probably owe people money. I think, um, allegedly, <laughs> to cover ourselves, yeah. um, like I think I've seen that there's people that are still owed money. Obviously, someone's not played because apparently that stuff's happened. But I don't know. This stuff shouldn't be happening in our sport at the allegedly highest level, and it's a real shame that there aren't sort of things in place to actually protect people from this happening. Like I don't know what anyone can do about it well a real shame as well i think um even like the you talk about the ramifications of like albacete having made the trip and whatever think what they've paid out in like bus hire fuel hotel rooms and i think from what i heard the league's suggestion was that they invoice madiba for their expenses for the game not played (laughs) it's like if this if the club you've driven 15 hours and stayed overnight to play can't get their players together because they're not paying them, they're almost definitely not covering your expenses. <laughs> like, I shouldn't be laughing about this, but that the fact that that's what it's come to is just like, 
bewildering. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like that would go to the bottom of the pile of the invoices they're receiving, I would imagine. Um, but also it's a shame is like if the next step is to like find them or whatever, it's like, hey, money should probably be going to players you owe money to. I don't know. Once again, I that the, this is all sort of weird and behind closed doors and stuff, and it's kind of grim that that is even the case. But like, God, it's 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 not good. It's not yeah, good. I, I give it a handful of games until the league tells them to pack it in for the season. I don't. I assume that is what's going to happen if teams yeah. are going to drive to Madiba to not play. Yeah, or they find a couple more players. But like, it's like them packing it in. You're leaving guys without jobs. Yeah. Um, them finding other players. You're certainly hoping that those players are going to get what they were promised. But I don't know. There's no elegant solution apart from if whoever runs the club can actually put up what they said they were going to. Yeah. Yeah. That, that super so disappointing fun. for everyone involved. Um. Yeah. It's it's grim. It's super grim for the guys in Mediva who are owed, and for everyone who's had to go there for for the weekend just for no reason yeah right i was gonna say should we move on to the fun stuff but the scoreline of this next game may make you think otherwise via the lead 73 build bow 52 should i try and keep the same somber tone of voice <laughs> um, I'd, be, I'd be amazed if you were able to sound as upbeat for this one as you did for the whole medieval say. <laughs> Yeah, um, fair play to those guys. They took it to us. Uh, we started terribly, weren't weren't at it whatsoever. They started pretty well. Romo got going early with a couple of threes. Um, we kind of, I don't know, it's one of those games where it's like you can look into the technical and tactical stuff, but if you also kind of just don't show up, like there's something in there, like we shot nine from 39 in a half which is not good um obviously there's a thing of like you can maybe examine shot quality of some of it like maybe you should go nine from 39 if you're heaving up half court shots but um like some of it's just ball doesn't drop some of it is they defended us well on the other side of the floor they looked really good um yeah we didn't help ourselves um but yeah um super disappointing um but don't really have a whole lot to say uh, yeah to say about it and the team i play for at any given point is the team i give least out about obviously because <laughs> trade secrets slash just i'm invested and i don't think it's right to be doing much more but yeah we've got some stuff that we're gonna have to look at and adjust and i trust that we will do that yeah, I think um, it was interesting to me that Vitalid saw this as the game to switch from going slightly more perimeter heavy to starting with Yelma. Uh, so they took CJ Grogan out, uh, Yelma in to start. Um, as we talked about with, with Bilbao, you guys have kind of got a decent spread of size, but not a true giant. Uh, Manu's probably a closest thing to a giant, but he's a three going up against him four or five in that matchup. So I thought this was a, a smart move by Vidalid. Um, it got him off to a good start as well as Romo shooting probably as well as he has in any of his games so far this season. Um, 
you guys to me rather than anything tactical looked like you kind of took the first punch and were just in kind of shock from that point onwards and there's there's a really weird thing especially when Bilbao quite like a cool collected calculating team most of the time that I think there's like an air of hey we just need to get ourselves into it and it'll it'll settle itself down and that almost worked against you guys a little bit in terms of there was like a sense of oh, we'll get there and then very quickly it was like oh no this is now like it, whatever it was 17 at half time and then it was I think maybe slightly more than that it was getting towards 30 at one point but the run just never came for you guys for whatever reason yeah that's it like you kind of stuff like this happens and you go into a break um, in between quarters and you go right we don't get it together now x is going to happen and then you come in at half time when you go right come on if we don't get our fingers out right now this is going to look bad and then you come out at the start of the third quarter and they get like six points off like breakaway layups and then you have to call the timeout it's like okay maybe i don't know um as i say you can go through the technical and tactical stuff and then there's just not showing and i'm sure we will like we have to that's what we're here to do but a lot of it's just we didn't show up at all yelmer was great um Romo lit us up. Um, I thought He's CJ coming off the bench as well. But I thought I was going to say CJ did brilliant. CJ also came up to me after the game and introduced himself, and we had a nice little chat. And he says he listens to this, so shout out to CJ. Cool. Um, we're going to have him on here soon, which would be great. Um, but yeah, he played great, and yeah, on our side of the ball, none of us shot well, apart from Gemma did all right because Gemma's the man. Yeah, Chema was kind of the like Chema was almost indicative of your guys' whole game, where it's like he got a decent number of shots, where it was like a short, like eight foot post up below the free throw line, and he made those relatively consistently. And it was basically either him catching and scoring, or it was like a turnover on the way there. And you guys had like more turnovers than I remember seeing in any Bilbao game ever. Like your guys' offense is designed to be very low risk in the sense of minimal passes and only like specific, you know, you don't yeah. throw Hail Marys or anything like that. But 15 yeah. turnovers, apparently. Jesus, that's that's too many. What, per, um, per quarter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, also, these stats are probably not 100%. But yeah. Right. Should, um, we stop, should we stop agonizing and move on? Uh, yeah, fair enough. Fair play to buy the lead. Um, I thought they looked good at the start of the season. It was one of those like, do you know when you're in one of the teams that's meant to be near the top of the league and you're like, oh, I don't know, this team looks pretty good, man. I think they're going to take a game off someone. Hope it does. <laughs> um, yeah. No, fair play to those guys. Um, yeah. It's on us to sort of figure it out. Right. Up next, what have we got? We have uh, Joventut. 52, Econi Gran Canaria, 50. So this was mad. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I didn't expect this. I actually um, bumped into Driss Said, plays for Gran Canaria. He's stayed over and visited Papi here. Um, so I bumped into him today and I was like, what's happened? And he was like, oh, I don't want to talk about it. But yeah, they had a, they had a tough time. They shot 36%. Um and fair play to Joventut, first win of the year, right? Yeah. Um unbelievable. I, 
I would happily have called Juventus to not win a game all season. Um, Gran Canaria haven't looked overly convincing so far. Um, they've kind of lost to teams around their level and got, I think they beat Madiba last week and kind of even that wasn't massively convincing uh, against a struggling team, but I never in a million years would have called an upset in this one. Um, they're just not really getting anything from really anyone outside of Alexi Ramane and Chauventu did what wouldn't have been possible against any of the past handful of years Gran Canaria teams where they just kind of sat inside and were like hey if you guys want to try and win this one from outside go ahead yeah like they tripled super hard and were not that I mean not even super hard I mean like they tripled down super hard and the recovery was kind of like yeah we'll give up the shot from the middle if you want to and in previous years that was Ari going like 10 from 13 (laughs) but yeah and on the other side of the floor did you feel like somehow Joven dude were just kind of getting wherever they wanted there was a little bit of like I don't know. I want to look at the, I want to look at the, sort of, shots like, paint points. Um, yeah, thirty eight points in the paint out of fifty two. Like I feel like they were just like, one on one cuts or like pick and yeah. rolls with super late help. Like I felt like there was a lot of, sort of inside finishing happening, which normally you don't see. Like if you play one of the, the typical game against the team that gets promoted is sort of like good high line and they'll throw up shots from mid-range and they'll go in or they won't but being able to actually get inside consistently against a good well-drilled well-put-together team is impressive yeah um i think we'll get onto this guy in a little bit because we it's one of the first bits of fan mail we've ever had um but fabian castilla from um joventu i think is deceptively mobile especially within the context of this team where it's predominantly old guys i i think there's a little bit of switching off defensively because of joe Entut's lack of mobility i like grand canary didn't play this thing with anything like the intensity they would do against you know whoever they're up against mediva mercia vitalid like teams with play more established players i think there was a little bit of complacency here and that I think the one-on-one cut stuff is generally a direct counter to not overly solid defense. Yeah. But why that persisted for the entire game, even as things were getting close, is beyond me, really. I haven't watched this game kind of concurrently with your one and again since I still don't fully understand what happened, which is not the position I wanted to be in when we had to hit record and talk about this. But this was just a a slip-up game from... Gran Canaria, and it was Juventus finishing at 57% from inside, so that'll get it done if you get that many shots. Yes, 100%. Um, uh, should you, do you want to go on to your your fan mail? That is cool, we'll do that at the end. Alright, cool. Um, yeah, unbelievable game from Fabian Castilla. Um, yeah, man, I'm sure Gran Canaria are disappointed with this one, they probably want this one back, but Tough for Richard Norwich at the end. Of what the very end of the game was wild. Yeah, that should have um, been a foul on um Alexi first off when he drew that guy's foot plate and put a floater up and they just didn't call it. Richard got the offensive rebound and they called the foul then. Um but even you score, you turn the you score 
Um, Gran Canaria scored. Juventud turned the ball. No, yeah, Juventud scored. I like had an offensive foul. Yeah. To turn the ball. Eight seconds to go or something. You have an offensive foul to give the ball back to the other team down the other team when you're up two and you file them, put them to the line after making the miss, even though you only made the miss because they chucked up a shot thinking a whistle was gonna come. Yeah. Um that's a weird one because that is a file and the whistle should come, but also like I don't know if Richie didn't get that rebound coming away from that game being like, yes, but the whistle, I don't know. Like that's a real, that would have been real tough. So Richie missed the first free throw, uh, which he, I don't know, he's a great free throw shooter. So that's tough. And had to miss the second one to try and pull a board down. Uh, Yeah, man. Tough. Tough one. Tough one. I'm just trying to see what Richie's um, free throw percentage is normally, but it's kind of hard to track. He's also not really played much for the last couple of years, so. But yeah, no, like I, yeah, that guy can shoot. I think anyone who's watched Italian basketball or Spanish basketball for the last twenty years might be like, yeah, Rich, you can put the ball in the hole. So yeah. that's tough, but yeah. Right, big win for Joventut. More, more importantly, big win for Joventut. Yeah, way to go then. Right up next. Uh, Amivel Malaga 57, Ukam Mercia 61. So I actually called this one for a Mercia upset. Uh, I think oh, upset's that's nice. the fair term. Um, yeah, man, Mercia, this game in the first quarter was borderline unwatchable. Uh, it was one of the scrappiest things I'd ever seen. It was something <laughs> like eight, eight, five, six minutes in. Yeah, real was, weird. What's going on here? And <laughs> like, I think there was more offensive fouls than like combined points at one stage. But um yeah, Mercia kind of were able to impose their will getting inside a little bit, which Lalo generally does get inside to get the majority of his shot attempts off. Uh Pablo Zazuela's not had a huge number of shot attempts in any game so far. Um I think he found himself a little bit more in this game. Um and yeah, they kind of got just enough from Joaquin Robles and Lee Fryer, who hit a handful each from outside, just enough to get Malaga worried about guarding that. And they ultimately were able to feed off of that enough to put themselves ahead. Um, pretty impressed with them. Although if you had told me that they would have them, the four guys I just mentioned in double figures, all four of those, and only come away with 61 points total, that is a little bit worrying, but it was obviously enough for this game, so I guess you can't really pick fault at this stage. Yeah, defensively they're mobile enough that they were able to sort of make that not an issue, but I don't know, looking at the, this is one of those where I'm like, looking at the stats, did I did I see this wrong? Uh, it felt like Mercia were kind of in transition-ish for a lot of the game. Like, they they're quick and mobile enough that I felt like their chance in a game like this is to just speed it up and see what happens. And this says they only had six transition points, which just can't be true. Yeah. Maybe the second you get, like maybe they're counting that as like one on zero fast breaks, but yeah. the amount of times they got down the floor, either in a man out or in some sort of numbers. And just that's where they were getting inside in my head. I think that's their sweet spot to kind of play 
I don't know. They can outrun teams that they can't outplay is maybe what I would say. And maybe someone who's a big Mercia fan might think that's unfair, but I, I don't know. I think a team with Kyle Marsh and Abdi Jama in it, in the half court has enough quality to, uh, not to mention the other guys as well. Yeah. Like, I think that has enough quality to get it done in the half court, but I just felt like Mercia got out and run and got the shots they wanted to get enough. And as you say, like, the guys like Lee Fryer and Joaquin Robles that scored sort of on and off on the perimeter hit just enough at the right sort of times. But yeah, I also the Malaga thing of the Spanish rule sort of impeding, once again, not to say anything about the Spanish players they have on court, but they have certain lineups that add up to 14 and a half without Spanish players on the floor that, would be lovely to see, but uh, I'll take it. I'll take it one step further than not saying anything about the Spanish players because I tried to tiptoe around it last week and it, I can't really do it again. They have got more or less zero from Jesus Romero for the last two games. Um, Lewis has obviously, you know, he played well against Luna last week. I thought he had a really positive impact in 23 minutes this week. His yeah. plus minus doesn't necessarily show it. But could they plug Lewis into that spot? I think they'd have more of an inside threat where I don't really know what Jesus Romero's role is currently. Yeah, he's very like he's very mid-sized. It's a it's a strange one where as I said we've spoken about that before. Maybe they play like they start five guys and three of them you would or four of them you would think are perimeter players yeah. um primarily but yeah you're trying to make choices you're putting um you're putting um Jesus Romero on uh with uh Abdi or you're pulling them off and you're putting Almu Montiel and either Pete Kuzak or Lewis Edwards on the floor yeah. and they did go with the um they did go with the Almu lineup for a good portion of this game, and I think I liked it, man. I think that might be their best lineup going for. I think they're still feeling it out, um, and obviously this is maybe not the game to test it in because you're putting Almu in there against a team with like there's a low point female on the other team for her to match up with, but there's also like four mismatches out there. Um, but yeah, I thought that's potentially their move going forwards, um, and it's tough because like. In an ideal world, you'd love to be able to have all those guys on the floor. Um, but it's not like Abdi's the best one in the world and the best one of all time. Um, but like, I don't know, Alamo's a Champions Cup winner, you know. Well, Abdi's the Abdi's the best one of all time, but his game is shooting and Mercia have got Lee and Joaquin Robles to push out and pressure two shooters in Abdi and Kyle who aren't the most mobile guys with the ball in their hands. Yeah. So it's yeah, tough matchup for Malaga, man. But I I thought Mercia kind of won this one more than Malaga lost it. Yeah, for sure. That's not great analysis, but that's certainly how it felt watching it. Yeah, it's kind of they played the game that they needed to play to pull this one out. They played it sort of transition and just made it chaotic enough that they had a chance. Because as I say, if you slow this game down and you play 23 second possessions, Kyle Marsh will kill you. Um the can I um throw one more tidbit of this game in before we move on? If you'd there, like to. There was an offensive I think Pablo took a wing shot with Lalo on the screen. 
Lalo like slipped between the two defenders, got the offensive rebound, put it back up, missed it. And then Jaime Esparza got the who like Lalo had shunted right under the basket, caught the rebound like that behind his own head. Lalo got both hands on it and literally pulled Esparza to the ground <laughs> like it was a wrestling move or something. I've never seen anything like it. If anyone gets like 10 seconds to go back and watch that, it is well worth it because it's like no wheelchair basketball fall I've ever seen. Love that. Cool. Um, but yeah, fair play to Mercia. This was, I don't know, I spoke to some of the guys in Mercia when we played them and I was like, ah, oh, they could take a, they could steal a game off a big team if a matchup is right and I think Malaga are going to be good enough this year to be considered one of the good teams obviously so I'm counting that yeah no I think that's fair <laughs> me being like I will take it because it suits me is great <laughs> All right. right up next up Let's next Amphi Vigo 92 uh, Ave oh no I'll do this Ivergonza Amphi Vigo 92 Avekonsa. Basket me Ferol 55. So that's not confusing at all. And the, um, two, the two Galician teams. Yeah. So there's another team. No, no. The two Galician teams. Yeah. So Ferol have kind of run a couple of teams close um, in the early game. I think they ran both Malaga and Mercia relatively, relatively close over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Vigo, as has been the script of their season so far, were having none of what anyone would expect. And Agostino Lejos had 37 on 16 of 21 shooting. Oh my God. 37 on 76% is great. Also had 19 rebounds and 10 assists. So this is like a a super Oscar Goblak game from Agostino Lejos. Um, Yeah, this was just... I flipped this one on uh, at the same time as watching a couple of other games and it was like 25-6 at one point. I was like, okay, Vigo... I think Vigo have kind of smelled blood a little bit in having had close run-ins with, well, relatively close with Albacete and then an overtime game with you guys. I think they're A, keen for a win and B, probably keen to show they're not in the bottom tier and this game very much did that. Yeah, I think doing well against Amiab and then getting to overtime against us has probably shown anyone who was watching that they're not in the bottom tier, but yeah. Being yeah. able to go out, being able to go out and do this in the games that you're meant to is also kind of important for the sake of winning the league, or like I mean, doing well, winning in the league is what yeah. I meant to say. Um, yeah, like you're meant to be able to do this stuff to the lower down teams if you're half decent, and they have proven that they are this year. They shot sixty three percent as a team, man. Like they kind of got, <laughs> they they were they're very effective in they were very effective in just getting good looks. Like yeah. I yeah, look at their shot chart. It's it's a lot of have a look. Oh geez. <laughs> okay. That's like entirely colored in green. Um yeah, a lot of green, a lot of paint touches. Yeah. Um like getting to 37. Oh, he didn't even score what I was gonna say. Getting to 95 points actually, uh, or 92 points, and your team only scoring one three, like you're probably getting inside a little bit. <laughs> yeah, fair point. Especially the Julio Villas stat. Is very telling here because he's 10, 10 from 15. And he almost, as we've probably talked about before, almost never shoots a single shot attempt from like outside of a dump down layup or like a wide open, like baseline dump off or something like that. Yeah. He had nine so, assists as well, man. Wow. Yeah. That, 
there was a lot of transition in this game was the other thing. It like usually when you're hitting the nineties, it's not a result of a lot of long standing offenses. So I guess maybe that explains itself. But yes. yeah, yeah, Vigo just they struck me like I think maybe Ferrell were like surprisingly competent for a couple of better teams. And I think Vigo were like, okay, we know we're better than these guys, but we're also not like looking down at them. So I think Vigo brought their A game to a team that they were better than. Yeah, I wonder if there's some like local rivalry stuff as well. I have no idea. That'll be yeah. fun, but I actually don't know if there is. But well, I think I think the rivalry element is probably that um Lorenzo Embo, who now plays for Ferrol, was with Vigo for many, many years. So I would imagine they were pretty keen to not lose a game to him. Sure. Yeah. I yeah. I can't speak to whether there was anything there or not, but yeah. cool. All right. What okay. was the next game? Up next was I have got the wrong one open. Illunion eighty two FDI Leganes fifty. So this one was weird. It, yeah. <laughs> my my favorite stat of this one is mid second quarter. It was twenty seven twenty five to Illunion, and then it was fifty five twenty five for the rest of the game. Is that is that one of those like just the opposite of what you said where Vigo were like, right, no, let's put these guys away. Is that like a ah, we'll get there. Ah, okay, no, right. Come on, let's let's do this. Let's let's get um, to an extent, but I actually think 34-9 third quarter. That's very yeah. like halftime. Jesus, these guys are still here. That it was an interesting one though, because the I think you could look at that 34-9 quarter in isolation and be like Oh, well, what would you expect? It was a Lunion against uh, Leganes, or, you know, if you were looking back and be like, yeah, it's a Lunion against Las Rosas, that would be what you would expect that score to be. But I think, had you watched the first half, the imbalance of the third quarter was almost surprising because Leganes looked extremely competent early doors. Um, and they almost looked like two different teams across the you know, first and second half. Uh, Illunion definitely did turn it up. But I think Leganes are pretty solid and just got buried by the Avalanche. They don't really have the offensive weapons to keep up when Illunion get hot. But they certainly have a chance to hang around and make games difficult if they can keep it. I mean, we always laugh about them playing slow. They didn't play massively slow in this game. They were pretty aggressive. But... Yeah, they were certainly there for the fight in the first half, and I think they've just not got the shot creation that when Illunion get hot, they can't really go blow for blow with those guys. Yeah, well, they don't play slow because they don't have a 50-year-old on their team anymore is partly it. Well, no, they don't have a 50-year-old playing 37 minutes a game on their team <laughs> this year. Um, here's a question. Without looking, what, are, what lineup was Illunion's best lineup? Plus minus wise. Um Greg, Tom, Amadou, Danny, and Bill. That is tied with their starters. They were both plus eleven. Okay. Um, cool. I love this plus minus lineup thing. I think this is as close to advanced statistics as wheelchair basketball gets, and I love that it exists. Yeah, um definitely. whether it's actually reliable or not. But yeah, that um the lineup I mentioned, there was a that third quarter run, there was a stretch where Greg and Tom hit four or five threes between them and Amadou. Amadou's barely missed all season. I think it may be like an underrated um, story at this point, but 
he was 26 points on 13 from 17. Um, and yeah, they just ran him off the floor in that kind of third quarter stretch. One thing I was thinking as Alunion put the press on to try and fire themselves up, when we talked to Pincho Ortega and he was saying he can still have his junior point when they come back, assuming they can keep the guys they currently have, they can potentially put a lineup out of Greg, Tom, Amadou, their young guy, Paco Quiles, and Pincho, if he comes back to Alunion. Jesus. Which is like, oh my days. But um, yeah, so I think this was just like Alunion obviously found their groove. But I think if you watch the full game, there's a lot of Lagana's reason for optimism in the first half, particularly. Um, yeah, man. They kind of weren't get, getting pushed around. And they also had the thing where they fell behind by about six. And Christian Gomez came in and he was like, hey, I'm just going to get shots up till the game is level. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what yeah, him just being like, hey, sorry, I got to get my reps up. Don't yeah. worry. I'll be, I'll be um, done soon. Honest to God, man. That guy, some of the like contested post ups he makes, we've like, I think we've almost rolled our eyes at them in the past because he is so confident that he shoots some questionable shots is probably the nicest way of putting it. But him in kind of short dosages off the bench where they can just put him in and be like, hey, see if you can get us some quick ones. And he did that for kind of two stints of this game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's there to make tough ones, which is like not conducive to winning at a high level, but it's conducive to doing well at an all right level. You know what I mean? It's one of those where like, That'll get you off the floor, but it'll not get you to the ceiling. Yeah. I was, um, I don't know about you. I was impressed by the, because their Argentinian guys have only come over recently. They got the young guy, uh, Matias Mendez, who I think is looking pretty solid in kind of the same role that the German kid Basti Kolb is playing for Vigo. Just like kind of tall, but too skinny to go inside perimeter big. He made some big shots in this one, man. I think he's. He is an asset for them and he gives them a little bit more flexibility lineup wise rather than having to go, you know, three bigs and two ones all the time. Yeah. Do you ever, do you get to the point now where you're a little bit older and you don't know like all oh, the juniors and the young people go yeah. through and you just randomly like, oh, who's this guy? Yeah. It's, it's awful, man. It's like, especially as the these guys who are coming through, like even when we've had Pincho on here and he's so young and it's like, oh my days man like you're so so good to be how young you are i literally just retired from playing because i was like right i've officially reached the age where i just suck at this now <laughs> yeah you you got to the the thing that i talk about with anyone who does anything like skateboarding man if you're skateboarding at 30 you better be good at it sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh to be fair i'm scraping i'm scraping by in the wheelchair basketball stuff but I do have this theory where anyone who does anything like that when they're above a certain age and you're like, you better either love it, but if you take it seriously, you better be like paid to skateboard. Yeah, it, it's a weird one, isn't it? Cause I don't know whether it's sadder to be like, hey, I am in my 30s or 40s and I still skateboard or if it's, it feels a bit midlife crisis to hit like 35 and be like, oh, I've got loads of new hobbies now. It's like, no, you haven't. You're just panicking about what you're going to do for the rest of your life. So yeah, you've you realized that time is fleeting. Yeah. Um, you yeah, can't that's right. Anyone who's listening, having an existential crisis, you're <laughs> correct. No, I'm joking. Um, uh, what was I going to say? No, that's not to say that anyone who's participating in wheelchair basketball just for fun. It's just like if you're trying to get to a high level and it's not happening. <laughs> 
and you're 30. Now, once again, I'm also not trying to dissuade anyone from playing the game of wheelchair basketball. Right. Uh, I'm making fun of skateboarding and backpedaling at this point. So shall we move on? Should we get back on the rails? Uh, yes. Okay. Talking about on the rails, hopefully, depending on what game we open. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you say that like it's an advent calendar. <laughs> we have no idea. I mean, um, I, I didn't open them until... I'm, I'm opening one link at a time. This is a surprise. <laughs> I'm having a great time. Okay, well, I think I've got the same game as you open in front of me, but do you want to go first and I'll adapt as I need to? Sure. During Evils, 101. Oh, I really should have opened a different game. Uh, a um, Wheelchair Basketball Theme Park, BBC, Monsterland, 35. Yeah, so we don't need to spend too much time on this one. Um, headlines yeah, yeah. being that Durham Bulls love outscoring teams by as many as they can, and they went up against a Munsterland team that's been very competitive up to this point in the season, but were also missing their two best players in Matthias Bellis and Zoran Muller. So I think anyone that you would have told those are the circumstances to would probably have guessed that this was going to be the margin. Um, yeah, Bulls love putting it on people and they did so with all five of their bench players hitting double figures and then an 11, a 13 and two eights from their stars um, Munsterland size is usually their advantage I think there's a reasonable case that Matthias Bellas isn't a bad guy to have to go up against um, Vahid and Haluski you know, in, yeah. in a that probably wouldn't have spun the game for Munsterland, but they were certainly going to struggle without him and without Zoran Miller's shooting. Yeah, like it would have been fun just to see that like um, size matchup for Matthijs. Um, don't know why they had three players missing, but um, hope everyone's fine. And also Zoran Miller, the greatest player of all time, not being there <laughs> doesn't help. Um Man, I hope Soren Muller is in on the bit and doesn't think we're making fun of him. <laughs> um, I think he is. I think, yeah, I think he's been in contact enough to reference this that I think it's okay. Um, we we think he's great. Cool. Um, yeah, but that's tough. And that is, we talk about things like this in games like this, and I want to make it clear that I don't think that Durgan would have lost if that wasn't the case. Uh, to be honest, <laughs> I, I, I ultimately think had Matthias and... Um, Zorin been there, it probably would have just kicked the ring and up another gear and we would have seen an almost, you know, a not massively different scoreline. Yeah, that's it. So I let, let's not theorize too much because I think the headline here is the ring and are great and love beating up on teams. Yeah, Duringen love cracking out the third digit on the scoreboard. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if their scoreboard at home has a little like, you know, you're you've played enough like Sheffield Steelers league games that you've been beating a team in a lower division enough that you're like, does this scoreboard go to a hundred? Yeah. <laughs> might have to. Like, I wonder if they have a little like very small firework that goes off on top of the scoreboard <laughs> when this happens. Um, they probably wouldn't do. They'd be replacing it every game. It'd be a nightmare. That's a good point. Yeah, having to stop to like sweep up the little bit of confetti, like in that NBA playoff game. <laughs> right up next ING Skywheelers 74 Baskets Hamburg 62 yes Nico Dreimuller with 22 Sven Diedrich with 20 Katarina Lang with 
12, uh, Fabian Gale, two, um, and threes and ones off their bench. Yeah. Um, Josie DeHart, um, wait, no, what am I talking about? Um, twos and fours off the bench. And uh, Christoph Spitz with 12. Yeah. I apologize. My my eyes scanned to the wrong number there for a second. That's that was weird. Yeah, so this was two teams that I think will come into this game winless up to this point. Um, yeah. Skywheel is able to get hold of this one. A pretty valiant effort from Hamburg, I thought. Um, Ali Amadi particularly rolling back the years there with 24 points. Yes. Um, yeah, they didn't get a huge amount from Mamadi Trauer, who I would have thought could have potentially made the difference in this game because Skywheelers aren't massively up on size. Um, same for uh-huh. Kamala, who's predominantly an outside shooter at this point in his career. But yeah, I felt a little bit like outside of Amadi shooting the ball pretty well. Uh, Hamburg didn't really push their advantages a huge amount. Um, Skywheelers, I thought, just executed pretty well in terms of they've. I think they generally know they have to get Nico Drymula the ball, either moving or some kind of advantage in terms of momentum or like knowing where the jump is coming from. Because I think we've seen against the stronger teams where they are able to like pick him up way early in the shot clock. He's not really set up to create off of that, just as a two-pointer. Yeah, uh, I thought they did a pretty good job of it in this game, and he kind of dictated the offensive tempo as well as I've seen him do at any point, really, over the last couple of years. Um, yeah, shout-out to Skywheelers getting the win here. Yeah, I think that's the thing with Nico Dragmuller. Like, being a two, you kind of, like, are just more deniable than someone of a higher classification. And that's where your likes of your Kyles and your Gregs that are twos with full core uh, control are able to do stuff that blow people's minds. But any any sort of spinal injury too that sits a little lower and maybe doesn't have full trunk control, like you are at some point you're deniable. Like if you're not able to shoot over people or see over people or you don't have that trunk control, so teams are able to do that to you. And as you said, I think that's a really good point. Like teams putting someone like Nico Dremel, who's obviously a great basketball player in really advantageous positions to actually be successful. That's like a really, that's an element of coaching that I don't think like, I don't know sometimes some teams don't put enough into it where it's like, okay, you've got this guy or this, you've got this player here can you put them where they will actually be able to help you? Like, can you draw stuff up to get them the ball in the right spots? And that's really different for everyone. But it's, it's I just think it's cool to see a like a a spinal injury to, I don't know what his disability is, but, you know, like a, yeah. a non-four-pointer with a hand impairment. To, it's cool to see a load, like a, a small two, doing tradi- cool stuff traditional too i think is traditional probably- there you go well yeah we'll go for that as a as a traditional two that can't do any of that stuff it's cool to see a traditional two doing that stuff so yeah, yeah I, th- I think you're right where it's like how much coaching is that goes into maximizing specific players but it's basically like right if dirk Passavan was in like his mind was in this guy's body how would he build a team around himself is like <laughs> the, the core question right speaking of 
This one was Beast Barden, Ryan River Rhinos, 77, Tria Dolphins, 68. This I love this game. Mental. This might be the most fun game I've watched all weekend. Way more fun than Madiba, I would say. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> I think this was, I don't even know where to start on this. I'll let you go first because I have many thoughts. Uh, here is it like before we get into the actual nitty gritty of it, I had a weird observation, another weird observation about Dirk Passawan. He, like, I don't know, it felt like the very start of the first quarter, Rhinos did a pretty good job on him and didn't really like let him get going in, in, in quotation marks. He hit two shots and I already felt like he was absolutely like five alarm fire levels of hot. Like I, yeah, like if you you're playing, two, if you're playing two K, his name gets the little flames around the um the emblem on the floor. But like, just hit, just hit two, and I was like, there's no, there's very few other people in the world that would hit. I didn't think it was the shots that he hit in particular that I was like, nah, I'd be calling a timeout, which I wouldn't do with anyone else in the yeah. world. I'd be like, oh no, because. I know doing a really good job on something like that, like you know it's gonna come, but you also know that maybe if you can put it off for another five minutes, you might yeah. win the basketball game. They did in the end. Um, he filed out, but um, because I watched this game with the volume down, and then he was on the sideline, and I was like, "What? <laughs> oh, is he like checking out to have a look at it and then come back in?" And then I was like, "Oh no, no, no! I checked the stats, but he um so he ended up in a hurry." <laughs> he played 34 minutes, had 34 points. Um, I think <laughs> that's this so is... funny. I'm talking about like they kept him a little quiet for the first couple of minutes and then he followed out for the last couple of minutes and then he had a point per minute in the rest of it, including a, including a sort of hook shot from the three-point line that someone sent to us and was like, oh my goodness. Or you sent into a group that we have. Um, yeah. And then... He had another like off the dribble three. He shot like 17 footer behind the free through line in transition, like four on four at one point. And it's like, just reaffirming my thing of when he sees daylight, he's like, oh God, I better shoot this before someone defends me, (laughs) which is amazing. And like, if you can shoot the ball that well, but are a smaller four or five, I absolutely would do the same. Like, that's that's a great look because you're third class one. The the interesting thing, for me, this game was they kind of, um, Bruce Bowden kind of matched Dirk's shot making by committee. Um, yeah, they kind of went streaks at a time. Aaron Young was really hot to start the game, she hit kind of her first two or three. Um, Louis Hadouan came in and he was seven of 11, which I think were more or less all him being left open, um, at the top of the key off the triple. Yeah, uh, that... he had two threes in a row at one point. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Moji Kamali kind of heated up to close the game. And my God, Moji Kamali puts the fear in me, man. Where he goes after loose balls like he has never not gotten a loose ball in his entire life. <laughs> it's like, it's just, he has the same like willpower then as if it's like an NBA player going in for a poster dunk. He like throws that amount of vigor into like getting a tip on a backcourt pass. And it's like, it's so cool. It's like, bro, you're going to injure yourself. Um, which I don't think he has done. And he also made enough shots when Passavan was out to carry Beast down to the end of this game. So shout out to him. Man. He might be as fun to watch as anybody in Germany at the very least. 
Oh yeah, he's amazing. He's just like plays with such energy all the time, and it's like I don't know. You'd be mistaken for giving for thinking he was just. I don't know. You'd you'd be forgiven for thinking he was just furious. Yeah, my brain just completely short circuited trying to say that sentence. That was terrible. Um, but yeah, uh, he just plays like plays like he means it all the time, which is a really stupid thing to say. But um, yeah, and also. I think getting seven from 11 from Louis Hardwell off the bench really, really makes a difference there because you just need someone else to chip in, don't you? Yeah. Um, and especially because I think Rhino's kind of shuffled the deck a little bit as the game went on. And then the lineup they settled on, they'd started two lows. They started Jim Palmer and Christopher Huber together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they... I think they initially went Moji out when Louis first came in, um, to kind of balance the ball handling. And they settled on taking Heiss, Evan, and Christopher Huber out and going with two mids in Chase, Wolf, and Louis Hardouin, which for all the stuff we've said about Malaga and Seamit feeling overly offensive, balanced, and a bunch of guys who might want to play on the perimeter, this seemed to work fine for Wiesbaden. Um, yeah. Part of that is because it felt like Moji was just like, right, I've got the ball until further notice. Yeah, but, I guess the thing is as well, like you can, like Jim is more than comfortable shifting to the block. Like he plays a really cool perimeter role for them in their starters, but he's more than comfortable shifting there. And you put Chase Wolf on, who's like a big three yeah. who can go inside. Um, and also they kind of, they pressed for a lot of the second half, which makes a difference. Yeah. Like, um, Press-ish. Yeah. There were some times that I was like, this is broken down quickly enough that I'm not sure this is a press, but like then I was like, oh yeah, no, there you go. And it, it worked. Like that's kind of where the game turned in my head. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, for Tria, 34 from Dirk Passavan and 10 from Natalie Passavan and single figures from everybody else. It was a hell of a game watching Dirk trying to just drag them through it more or less single-handedly, but I think the balance scoring typically wins out in these scenarios and it did today, but that doesn't mean it wasn't a hell of a ride. No, man, this is a fun game. Everyone who can should go and watch this. If you like wheelchair basketball, absolutely. Uh, which is a weird one to recommend, but yeah, once again, I don't know if anyone's everyone like, Oh, will I? Yeah, no problem. Uh, but we've, um, I think we floated this idea between us, but the, there needs to be at some point like a Trier and Vigo Cup where it's like, hey, these are two clubs who each have a 4.5 who can shoot the ball and they patch the pieces around them and see what happens. It needs to be like just a one-off cup game between those teams every year. Yeah, just, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what you'd call it. Yeah, we'll figure it out. If there's one thing I can rely on myself to do, it's come up with very niche names for very niche things. Yes. Okay, last couple, uh, Cologne doubleheader, so we'll rattle through these together. So, first one, Cologne 99 is 42, Hanover United 59. Yes, um, watching or looking at this stuff and some teams playing more than once in a week really makes me think, like, really makes me think we're looking at the wrong games, but we're not. (laughs) Yeah, um... So we talked a little bit last week about Hanover's mids lineup now that Mariska is back. Uh, obviously, it got its first run out against Landil, which is a tough ask for any unit. 
Yeah, uh, not a whole lot of information to be gleaned from some yeah. of that stuff. Like, I wonder, do you put it, that line up out and then be like, oh, I learned something, <laughs> but... <laughs> I learned maybe it doesn't stand up to the best funded club in the world. Um, yeah, they kind of, they'd been messing around in previous games and starting kind of one true big in Tom uh, and then like Oliver Jansen the starting lineup as well. They cut straight to the chase on this one and they went mids all the way. And so Sean Norris, Jan Haller, Jan Sadler, Alex Buda, uh, and Maurice Cabea, they ran that out. I don't think the plus minuses are entirely accurate because there was some shuffling in the meantime, but everybody who played in the starting lineup was at least a plus 16 um, in a game that was won by 17 points. So it probably doesn't take a master mathematician to say this might have been the ticket in this one. Yeah. Not a, yeah, I don't have a whole lot. I don't have a whole lot to say about um, the, the Cologne games. Yeah. Um. Sometimes, yeah, they're kind of interesting every so often. But I think yeah. Hanover getting Hanover getting pretty good spread out scoring and also like only conceding forty two points in forty minutes. Yeah. Like that's that's I don't know. That's what you want from a mids lineup. Like you've got I don't yeah. know. I I, I want to see it against a better team than this and a worse team than Landil. It's kind of just my thing. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah. Is this data point more or less useful than the one from the Landil game? I don't know. Ah, uh, more because I don't think Cologne are terrible. Like I don't think Cologne are terrible. I think Cologne are all right. But well, you say that Cologne had two quarters of single figures, where they had nine in the first quarter and four in the fourth quarter, and then they had one quarter that was ten, which is like almost a single figure quarter in itself. Um, Cologne just got really inefficient scoring from their main guys. So, Asil Shabo four from twelve, Mustafa Kotmaz four from thirteen, Bullet Kadal four from ten. Uh, Akita K, I would have thought would be playing more minutes for these guys, but he has only played like around ten minutes the last couple of games, which seems a little bit weird. Um, yeah, what was going on there, I don't know, but he certainly might have helped against this midpoint lineup. Um. And yeah, like you say, the defense yeah. is pretty promising, regardless of. I don't know if this was Hanover's best like shooting game, but if they're holding a team with legit guys to forty-two yeah. points, that's a pretty good look. Yeah, cool. All right, should we go on to the other Cologne game? We shall. Um. So Cologne seventy-one, Basket Hamburg fifty-five. So for all the talking we just did about Cologne, they actually stepped it up for this one and. <laughs> Talent advantage here, yeah, probably. They also have had talent advantage in other games and not shown up, so it was good to see them be able to piece it together for this game at the very least, even against a relatively weak Hamburg team. Yeah, you said about their main scorers being inconsistent. That kind of bears out in the fact that they played two games in a weekend and they kind of didn't get anything consistent from any one one game, and then the day after they get 15, 14, 20, and 22 from four different players. After I just did the single-figure sco- um, quarter scoring, they went 21 points in three different quarters in this game, and then eight in the second. They love they love a less than 10 quarter, apparently. Um, I was just going to say, if they had gone 21 in all four quarters, I wonder how often that happens. All same amounts of points in all four quarters, probably not that regularly. I don't remember having seen that. 
Um, yeah, on the Hamburg side, Mamadi Traore, slightly better game in this one. He had 19. He also hit a crazy, like, crossing the half-court buzzer beater to end the first half, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah, Hamburg, just not a whole lot of offensive creation. And what they did get out of Traore was kind of negated by the fact Kai Muller only had four points in this game. Yeah. But they're going to struggle if they don't get, like, three guys into, you know, mid-teens to 20s. Yeah. At the very least. Yeah, although like it, them playing like this does make sense to a certain extent because last year it was like Moji Kamali would have 42 and they'd have a chance. Um, yeah, I can't remember what game it was we talked about last year when it was like Hamburg and Skywheelers maybe and it was yes. like 194 combined and it's like I think all these teams have played like four games each and I don't think either of those teams have hit 194 combined across their four games. Yeah, that was that was chaos. But yeah, I don't know. Missing such a perimeter-based scorer and not really replacing him because there are only a finite amount of guys that can do that, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> you are not wrong. Cool. I think that covers it um, for everything this weekend. Uh, should we do the belt? Uh yes. So do you want to mention that you got maybe how how anonymous do you want to do this or do you want to paraphrase? Uh no. you received a message from someone, an impassioned plea <laughs> belt out. Yeah, so I'll I'll read this out because it's I'll do it word for word. Um you I'd say either do it word for word anonymously or not word for word. Okay, um, word, with word for word anonymously. So for context, this was sent at 1.58 on Sunday morning, uh, which is 2.58 Spanish time. Um, okay, so we've narrowed down a country. All right. It says, this was me. <laughs> I'm joking. It, it was... says, in incredibly good, well-written English and grammar, um, to get the point across, it says, there's only one winner this week. Joventut won a game. Their belt has to go to the Argentinian guy, their number 10. Almost had a triple-double against some international players, newly promoted team with mostly old fellas beat Gran Canaria, and this could genuinely be their only win of the season. This is the first time I've ever voted for this and will be the last if he doesn't win it this week. Brackets underdog story to the max. Um, The only plot hole in this message is the person who sent this in didn't actually know the name of the guy they were nominating. So... We alluded to them earlier. I believe his name is Fabian Castilla, and he would be a worthy recipient of the belt unless you have anybody better. Uh, no, I think, although we had a message this week at some point being like, um, it should be called the Dirk Paso and belt. He owns it. We all just borrow it. Yeah. Um, also, every, so every time someone references this as a thing or the podcast, outside of us talking to each other i'm always like oh that's nice then immediately feel nauseous about the fact that my thoughts are on the internet (laughs) (laughs) but i try to keep them try to keep them fairly fairly pc i had a conversation with someone recently about the fact that i just don't ever say anything controversial on the podcast and they were like no but i understand you literally kind of can't and i was like yeah I'll retire someday and just go nuts now. In in the meantime, that's why I'm here. Yes. All right. So, yeah, I think that's fairly cut and dry. Apart from, we're going to have to, like, 
create like a pass one exception where we can only give it to him once a month or something. Yeah, I, I also think it's like, hey, we like I joked about it a minute ago with the Nico Drymuller thing. It's like, hey, come on, man, you put lots of points up. It's also because you you like reach out to players in the off season, like, hey, do you want to earn some money to come and screen for me? So. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Imagine, I I do wonder. I don't I don't think that's how the message goes, yeah, but I do awesome. wonder if, like, say, someone's first time playing abroad in Europe, they don't know who this team or what this team's about. I wonder if anyone signed up and then watched some video and be like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> they like they watch some video and like mid training session on their own, they like set the ball down and start doing chair skills. <laughs> So yeah. Um brilliant. Okay, cool. Fabian Castillo for the belt then. Uh and to answer your early question, my piece of movie memorabilia would be the cattle prod from No Country for Old Men. Oh god damn it. That's actually like that's on my short list. Or the quarter <laughs> that he makes the man flip. Um I wanna say I, I talked to someone about this and I said the cane from Citizen Kane and they didn't get the Simpsons reference. Oh man. Um but yeah. No help in some people. Yeah. All right. Cool. Anyone, anyone listening to this who has a good answer for that question, let us know. Let us know. Um, also, we may as well do this. We've been waiting on a guest to come on this Thursday's episode. Still trying to get nailed down. We've had some like various scheduling weirdness between myself, James, and our proposed guest. Uh, we do still want to get an episode out this Thursday. If you listen to this before Thursday... And you have an hour to record and you would like to come and record, give us a bell. If not, give us some ideas so that we can stall. Yeah, let's do that. Um, yeah. All right. Thank cool. you very much for listening. Um, yeah. Have a nice couple of days. Be good. Peace.